Log Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your featured host, Shaw McCain, a forensic counselor, psychic, writer, artist, modern day Christian mystic, and UFO experiencer. Shaw introduced guests who are experts on all aspects of the paranormal and the sacred. The Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show has been featured on Blog Talk Radio as Staff Pick. And now for your host, Sean McCain. Hey everybody, this is Sean McCain calling you live from Los Angeles, California. And I'm very happy to introduce our, our wonderful guest tonight. And her name is Erin Montgomery. And she is at least a fourth-generation UFO contactee. She began experiencing strange phenomena as early as seven years old and has been able to retrieve some of those memories through hypnotic regression in order to receive some help from the trauma. And that was was created by early encounters with alien beings. She continues to have UFO and paranormal experience throughout her life and currently is not only working as a shaman to help heal people energetically, unhot houses, work with spirits, and read people's cards. She's also learning how to do hypnotic regressions to help others who suffered as she has. During the day, she works as a clinical therapist in a not-so-surprising location in Roswell, New Mexico, and in the evening, she can be found working with others on a spiritual level, writing new material or working to engage more, in the more direct contact with beings not of this world. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome Erin Montgomery to the show tonight. Hi, Erin. Hi, Erin. Nice to be here. I am, I am good. A little warm, but I'm good. You know, it, it's hot. We're going to have a, a, a – California's been beautiful, but I guess the uh, United States is getting ready for a big heat wave. Oh, wonderful. I am not very thrilled. <laughs> Me either. I, I do not like hot weather at all. So, no. young lady, I have something to talk to you about. I read your okay. book, and I really enjoyed it. I, I really identify with it. And also, I we don't know each other, do we? No, I don't believe we've ever met. We've never met. Okay. So I was attracted to you because you you have a new book out, and it's called uh, Dirty Little Secrets About Alien Abduction. And I thought, okay, perfect book to be in our book club. And I'm, I'm very supportive of all our authors, and especially our new authors, especially because of your group, you know, your book content. So, uh-huh. and I'm reading the book. And I come to the part where you meet Yaron Smith at Roswell, the Roswell UFO Festival in July of 2012. Um, and I was there July of 2012. And I was with Yvonne. I was at her table helping her sell her books when she said she had to do a regression and she left the table. And I don't know if that was for you or not, but when I read that part in your book, I, I, I can't tell you how I felt. I almost started crying because I thought, you know, we never really know what we're really doing. I don't know if you ever feel like that. Like, what the hell are we doing? You know, we're from one day to the next. Oh. It's so mysterious. Oh, yeah. All the time. So I when I came to that part in your book, that I was actually there, 
when this happened to you, um, mm-hmm. it was stunned. It was like, sure, you're in the right place, you know, and, and I'm so happy to meet you. I have been going to Ciro since I first started when uh, the illustrious, rest in peace, John Mack, I wrote him a letter to Harvard and said, I was being abducted. I'm highly traumatized. Please help me. And he turned me on to Yvonne Smith. And that was at least oh, wow. 25 years ago. Yes. Oh, wow. I'm yeah, that, that was my first, yeah, that was my first UFO festival that I went to. I've lived in Roswell for 20 years, but I had ignored it um, for the most part. And um, I just, I could not ignore my experiences anymore. And And it was time for me to go and explore, okay, exactly what am I dealing with? What am I faced with? How do I come to terms with this? And and seeing Yvonne talk that first that first day of that first festival that I went to, I pretty much fell apart. I fell apart. That was it was so much confirmation and, and everything just sort of hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, that was not when I had a regression. My first regression with Yvonne was in twenty fifteen. However, right. I had to have seen you. Because I, I, ha- I, I think you came to the to table. Yes, I think you came to the table while I was there, and that's when I had I've been having the 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 actual memory of you is coming back to me right now, uh, and uh, I can't believe it. I mean, really, it's uh, <laughs> oh, anyway, wow. strange, strange things. I mean, I hardly wait to tell you. Really, I wanted to tell you all week. But I was holding it in. I just wanted to. <laughs> so she's not wow. going to be I this just... one. Right? Wow. I'm in shock. So, I, had, so, I had no clue. I know. Well, the reason why it's so memorable for me is because that year I was actually engaged to one of the members of that Travis Walton team of the Fire in the Sky abduction people. And I was okay. supposed to marry this guy, but he turned out to be a rat. And anyway, oh. so he was trying to force, uh, my birthday is July 13th, right? And okay. he was trying to force me into getting marriage and, isn't, you know, near festival time. And I said, no, I want to wait till the end of the world, 12, 12, 12, and get married to you. He didn't take that kindly. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so there's a picture of, of me in my car sitting in front of the, the UFO Museum with Travis Walton and that DeLorean. I don't know if you remember it being parked in front. Do you remember that? I'm trying that, to remember. Back to the I car. No, I don't remember, but I'm not surprised anyway. it was there. Yeah. It was there. So I'm, I'm parked right, I'm, I'm parallel parked in front right with it. So very, mm-hmm. I mean, Travis Walton is standing there. I don't know if you know who Travis Walton is, but. I have met uh, him a couple of times at this point, yeah. Well, you know, at this point, yes, yeah, so we're all being a small world. But, um, <laughs> I really loved your book. I just want to tell you. Because I am shocked and I've had this big secret all week. I haven't told anybody, so uh, now you know. So uh, <laughs> it's supposed to be Aaron, because I know you know. I know that uh, fellow contactees were almost like a family, and and the the people in Ciro were all brought together in a very strange way. I was actually at the festival one time, and this man next to me introduced himself. And he said, "Do you know who I am?" And I went. No, I don't know who you are. And he said, well, I'm Robert Salas. Do you remember the, the Montana Missile Range issue with uh, the nukes being shut off? I said, of course. 
That happened mm-hmm. like in 75, but I remember watching the news and thinking, maybe aliens are real, you know? Maybe I'm not all uh-huh. crazy. And uh, he said, well, I'm that captain. I'm like, you're what? And it turns out oh, wow. he lived right next door to me in, in Manhattan Beach, and I lived in Hermosa, and then we had been abducted together. And it's, oh, my and gosh. We've been, we've been, yes, we have been friends ever since. Me, him, and his wife, Marilyn Salas. They're the salt-to-the-earth people, and he's one of the big people that's come forward and gone to Congress and everything with uh, UFO disclosure. You know, so these are some really good people, but there's something going on that's a a blessing for all of us. It's unexplainable how big this is. So when I found out that I actually probably mentioned that day, in my mind, I can remember you coming to the table to see her books. And uh, she yeah. was at the table at the time. But you came there and I was talking to you. So I think that's what happened. And I probably uh, did. Of course, I don't remember, but I'm glad you do. I do. So, <laughs> but I didn't realize it until I was reading your book. And, you know, that was kind of a stunner. It was, oh, wow. like, weird. It's weird. I can't, I don't know. Anyway, so you uh, joined Ciro, thank goodness, because Ciro is an important support group for uh, experiencers. And can you tell us about your experience there? Go ahead. Oh, uh, I'll tell you about my experience with CERO. With Ciro, you can tell us with Ciro a little bit, and then I want to go into, uh, you know, when you were a kid. Okay. Um, yeah, actually, it was that it was that weekend at the 2012 festival when I first met Yvonne and you. Apparently, that I was <laughs> introduced to Ciro and um, given the Facebook um, group information. You know, even though I wasn't in California, she said, "Just you know, go ahead and join because you need support." And at the time, I had absolutely no support. I had a couple of friends I could talk to, but no serious help that I could turn to. Um, you know, I, I, I did not feel comfortable going to my counselor about these things. Um, I did not feel comfortable talking to any other professionals. Um, it was very much a secret hush-hush uh, experience for me. I didn't want to be seen as crazy. Um, and so joining the group and knowing that I had people that I could say, hey, I experienced this. Is this normal? And for for several people to say, oh, yeah, that happens to us all the time, you know, and and just made me feel like, okay, I'm not crazy. Um, what I'm experiencing is something that other people experience, and I'm going to be okay. Uh, and, and that was extremely important for me. And um, I continue to be a part of CERO to this day. I've only done one uh, meeting with CERO, and that was last month. No, two months ago. It was in May um, because it's online <laughs> with with all of COVID-19 going on and no um, ability to meet. It actually has been a Zoom meeting, and so I've actually been able to sit in on my first ERO meeting with members, and that was great. Yeah, um, that's how I got involved. Well, I wrote that letter to John Mack, and that's how I got involved, and it was really a lifesaver for me because uh, she is so kind and and gentle, and she has those big brown eyes, and 
She's mm-hmm. just, just the kindest person, <laughs> you know, and she's very Absolutely. trusting. So she keeps all of our secrets, and, man, she must have heard it all. Because we all go to her, so wow. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she has heard everything. I know. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, where you grew up and, and when this all started for you? Um, well, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I lived in Roswell for a short period of time as an infant. Uh, I think I was six months, nine months old. When my parents moved to Roswell, where my my father's parents were in Carlsbad, which is just down the down the road a pace, um, and then I remember moving to Montrose, Colorado, on my fourth birthday, and I spent um, my all of my childhood years in Montrose, Colorado. I left when I was going to college, and I was 18 years old, um, but. All of my contact as, as a child, of course, happened in Colorado, where I was. That I remember. I don't know. It tends to follow me. It's it's not location-bound. It's around me. Um, but the first, the first experience I really began to remember was when I was seven years old. Um, and that is the, the, the first regression I had with Yvonne um, when I – talk to her for the first, you know, in private for the first time, I, I wanted to get down to the bottom of the trauma that I was experiencing. And it was when I was seven. And I had um, some memories of beings in my room. I was levitated and floated. What I remembered, I was floated out the door into a ship. And um, oddly enough, through regression, I found out that that's not necessarily exactly how it happened. What happened was I was floated into the hallway and then straight up through the ceiling. And, um, you know, I penetrated the, all the wood and the, and the uh, whatever, you know, that the ceiling is made of through the roof and into a beam of light that, that took me up to the ship with the three beings that I was with. Um, and I was taken on board ship. I have very strong recall, thanks to the regression, um, of what the ship looked like. Everything was very sterile. Um, the floor was very strange. It was almost like AstroTurf, but but black. I, I don't know. It was very strange. I can remember how it felt on the bottom of my feet. And I was taken to a room. It almost felt like a doctor's office or a dentist's office. And I was placed in a chair and strapped down. And that's when the trauma happened as a being that came in that that apparently was so alien <laughs> to you know to use the word alien mm-hmm. um that my mind kind of shut down it was just too much for my my little brain to handle at the time and um there was an imp- implant that was inserted into the roof of my mouth and i still cannot recall that that guy's face i don't i cannot yeah see it um and i guess it's just still too scary for me but you know after after i calmed down after he was done he left the room i was taken and shown uh through the window i could see all the stars and i could see the earth below and it was beautiful and fun and i was returned to bed and and that would be the first recalled experience that i have do you remember what they looked like very much, very much. Um, they were, you know, I would say with quotes around a typical gray, um, not more than three and a half, four foot tall. 
there were three of them. The one there was one right by the head of my bed, right by you know near my face, and that felt like a feminine presence. I don't know if they have gender or not, but she felt feminine. She felt very familiar to me. I was comfortable with her. Um, she had the large eyes that is talked about. She, her skin was rather wrinkled. Um, she wasn't very smooth. You know, wasn't smooth. I don't know if she was older, if that was just part of her. Um, and and her the features were very sharp, very sharp. And uh, I would say the jaw and nose area that that uh, section of her face was jetted forward quite a bit. Um, hard to describe, but very strong in my mind. And um, the other two resembled her very closely. Wow. So, you know, I I had the, the same age and even younger. Uh, I had, did you have certain cartoons that freaked you out when you were little? <laughs> like, literally, cartoons like, that freaked that, me out? Uh, yes. <laughs> Um, I don't, not a cartoon off the top of my head, but I was six years old when E.T. came out and it absolutely terrified me. I was fine until the moment where he got scared and he kind of screams, his head goes up a little bit and I was done. I was done with that film and I still have a hard time watching it, even though I know it's a very sweet and loving movie. I can't, I Mm -hmm. really can't sit through E.T. Yeah, I had a feeling that, you know, what happens is that you get traumatized when you're little like that and you have a recall, a movie comes out that reminds you of that. For me, it was a certain cartoon. It was actually wow. the one where Mickey Mouse is carrying all those buckets of water and it keeps flooding and it keeps carrying more buckets of water. It's like a, To me, it's like a horror yes. movie. You know what I mean? Because I don't know if it was a record. Exactly. How do you know that? <laughs> I I can see it in my mind when you're talking about it. Right, but that that movie, you know, just it gave me a chill. Just saying it, it's like I'm telling you a secret. The, it scared the hell out of me. I guess the repetition or the inevitableness of it or something like that. Anyway, it just it wow. scared yeah. me. I didn't huh. see ET. That's strange. Anyway, yeah. so. Um, I just found your book uh, easy to read, um, very to the heart. And I also, you say something in your book that was really, uh, I could actually see it you know, unfolding on the pages, is that you want to take away the mask that we all wear and be your authentic self. You know, and it's very hard to get to that. And it takes a lot of courage. And it appears that you've done a lot of work to get there. Yeah, so tell us some of your steps, or what did you mean by that in your book? By removing the masks? Yes. I, um, you know, being a contactee, am I free to express that to people? Will people think that I am crazy? Will people just ignore me because I have this really strange idea of the way the universe works. Um, am I going to be taken seriously? And and I think that's a theme that comes up over and over in my life. Will you please just listen to me because I have something important to say. And and I'm and and you get afraid. Well if I if I tell my truth then I'm going to be ignored or I'm going to be pushed aside or I'm going to be locked up in a crazy house somewhere. Um, and then, you know, it, it amplified when I 
became a counselor. Uh, my original career was as a librarian. Um, I could be as crazy mm-hmm. as I wanted in the back corner of a library. Nobody would know. Um, but here I am, a counselor, helping people with mental illness and having this wild life that nobody knows about. But I feel like I need to be my authentic self. This is me. This is what I understand. This is how my life has been. And I have different experiences in you, but that doesn't make me invalid. And maybe you should really hear what I have to say, you know. And uh, and I think that the the more true we are to who who we are, the better able we are to connect with those who we need to connect with, um, other contactees, people that need to hear our stories. Um, maybe contactees that don't realize that they are contactees. There there are so many that are in the dark or are afraid, and 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 we need to be able to get to a point where we feel secure in discussing who we are. And it is well, so it is, freeing and liberating to do so. It is. It is. It is uh, I don't know if I'm there yet, really. Um, what are the upsides and the downsides of being dishonest? <sighs> upsides and downsides. There really are a lot of downsides um, just because you don't feel you know you're not being authentic and I think people can tell however at the same time you're able to blend in with uh, the common people you know I don't I don't uh, for a long time in my life I didn't want to make waves I didn't want to be noticed and I did my best to just disappear like I'm just like everybody else don't look over here mm-hmm. you know like a Jedi mind mm-hmm. you do not see me um but then it, it festers. Like, no, no, this this isn't me. And that is a major downside. Like hiding who you are hurts. And it can create anxiety so and, and all yeah. sorts of mental mental health issues. It's like you're trying to hold down like a a big bomb and just keeping your foot on it. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> rather than... yeah, that's, that's not an egg. <laughs> <laughs> that's not an egg. No, this is a bomb. So uh, that's right. It's um, it's you know, it's I think it's a cause for a lot of us to have anxiety, sleep. You bring up sleep disorders and all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about that sleep disorder situation. Say that again. I'm sorry, I couldn't understand. Well, we have, uh, well, most of us have sleep disorders. We don't sleep right. I don't know any of us. I know people. I actually know people. I do their hair. I do hair, too, on the side of all this other stuff I do. But they fall asleep when I'm doing their hair. And I have never done that in my entire life. Never would I fall asleep sitting anywhere or in somebody's presence like that. I don't know if you're like that, but. I am. I'm. I'm. I'm very much that way. I've watched people fall asleep in class, you know, all through mm-hmm. school and into college, and I cannot do that. I'm hyper aware, and that and that um, goes back to the trauma experiences. You know, the symptoms of trauma are pretty vast, but sleep disturbance is a big one, especially if there's unexpected noises. What if they're coming? Are they going to get me? I'm not turning out the light. I've got to make sure my back is up against the wall, which is ridiculous because they can go through it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just you have to 
monitor your surroundings all the time. As that's what I would call hypervigilance. Um, you startle really, really easily. You jump at any little thing. Um, you've got depression symptoms. You definitely have anxiety. You try to avoid talking about these things, and, and that's part of the mess. Like if, if nobody knows, then I don't have to speak about it. However, healing that trauma actually is a good thing. I mean, that it allows you to be able to speak your truth that way. And, um, yeah, you don't want to talk about it. And that was one of the things that I noticed with the book is I just kept pushing it to the side. No, I'm not going to do this yet. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for I've lost, I lost a journal. I need that journal before I can write. Well, that's a bunch of crap. Yes, I can. I can write it without <laughs> that journal. Oh, I need, I need this recording from Yvonne. You know what? Her computer crashed. We can't get it. Not a reason to not write, but I found myself doing that through the whole process. And even when the editor would give it back to me, George, he would say, "You need to expand here." I'm like, "Ah, oh, dang it!" Okay. Oh, I and, and I would realize there's my trauma again coming back to bite me in the butt. I have got to dig into this, even though I it's uncomfortable and I don't want to. Um, avoidance is a big one. Yeah, uh, and coming up with a seemingly valid excuses to actually not do what your real purpose is. <laughs> yes, there's just an abundant <laughs> amount. Because I have three million of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lord, have mercy, help us. <laughs> At least you got your book out there, because I, I knew, I just instinctively knew that you were fighting. That's why I admire you doing this so much, is because you were just fighting yourself through the whole thing. And uh, the process was quite awesome. It, you know, I loved it. And I think it's from a fellow experience's point of view. It's like, yeah, go around, girl. <laughs> yes. It it was very hard. And I, and I taught myself all the way to the end. Even I think I was on editing round number four or five, and I hadn't touched it in several months. And I even had a dream where there was a, a person telling me, Aaron, get up and finish that book. And I'm like, oh. Okay, fine. You know, and it was out within a couple of weeks after that. Like, all right, fine. I just, it was just hard. It was hard to face it, and it was hard to get it out. Um, But here we are. Well, you talked about some amazing uh, things that um, really past life experiences that were really uh, quite extensive, and you remembered a lot about them through your regressions. And especially uh, going, you know, different places. And the one I, you said Ireland and a lot of mm-hmm. very interesting things about that. The one that that stuck out to those two things that stuck out for me. One is okay. when, you, if you don't mind talking about this, is that when you were a little kid or when you were growing up, you became aware of something that you called George. Uh-huh. Now, can you explain to us what is George? And I found it phenomenal. Really, I have a chill when thinking about this. Okay. When, yes, I was in elementary school, and I would have this very strange object, um, for lack of a better term, that would enter my vision. And it, it felt like it was, like, inside my eye because it didn't matter how I turned my head. It was always there in my vision, always in the same spot. It didn't, it didn't shift or move. Um, and what it resembled was almost like a spool, like a really, a really thin spool, thin on the, in the middle and then flared out on the sides and it, it would spin. I could see 
almost like energy spinning around it. And and I never really understood what it was. Uh, when I grew up, I thought, well, maybe that I was just having migraines or something, and I had, you know, something in my vision that was messing up. Um, it wasn't until about 2015 when um, the man that I was dating at the time said, I don't even remember how the conversation came up, but I was explaining this George because, you know, I name everything. So George was in my vision. This is what I saw as a kid, and I, would, I drew it out for him. And he said, that, that is an Einstein-Rosenbridge. And I said, okay, what the heck is that? And, and I look it up, and, and I, now I understand that is a wormhole or a portal to another dimension, another place. And, and to me, like, wow, why was that in my vision? And why was I seeing that when I was a little kid? I don't know. However, I do know as an adult, I have been, you know, that's one of the things that I have been taught by ETs is how to create those. And, and I, I, you know, I equate it to the shamanic practices I use of helping um, spirits cross to the other side or, or moving around energy or healing past lives for people. It's just a way to jump from different space time to different space time. And I can do it automatically. And yet here I was as a small child with one of these bridges that would show up in my mind. Well, you don't have, as a small child, you don't have a block. You have been given the information, maybe, you know, even before you were born, who knows, mm-hmm. but you had this mm-hmm. information and uh, you weren't able to block it as a little child. So that's why you saw it all the time. Yeah, you know, we have we have more open minds. That's why we see a lot of stuff and feel a lot of stuff as kids, and we shut it off and then we have to turn it on later. Seems like to me. <laughs> yep. Yes, absolutely. You know, so I have something to tell you about that. You know, at least Strieber has a new book out, and he talks about this writing in his eye, and it's rolling on the side of his eye. He's talking what? about the same kind oh. of thing. Yes. Yes. Whoa. I'm okay. just I'm just matching it up right now. <laughs> like, I mean, okay. really, it just came to me right now that he's saying that um, as he was traveling, because Ridley's written a lot. So this is yeah. his, his what's the name of his last book? Some, I don't know, but it's uh, his last book, and he's talking his you know his recent book, and he's talking about being able to see other uh, past and other dimensions in this little thing rolling along the side of his eye. At first he thought it was a light or something. Oh, my goodness. I know. Well, I'm there's just confirmation right there, now. right? Yeah. And exactly. So there's wow. something going on here that is bigger than, oh, we don't know. I don't know what it, this is. But <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get the information out there. <laughs> just right? Best wow. Wow. Okay. Now, my next question. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go through that I'm scared to even, yeah, okay. I'm scared to even ask it. Anyway, no, this is what we're this is what we're born to do, really. Um, Absolutely. There's another there's another figure that, in your book that uh, really uh, spoke to me was Cleophus. I don't know if that's how you're pronouncing it. Cleophus. Uh huh. Yes. Could you tell us about him? Yes. Uh, that that actually goes back to a really difficult period of my life. I was in a in a, an abusive 
um, marriage. Um, I was addicted to drugs at the time as well. So, you know, you have to take that all into consideration as I, as I explain things. But at that time, I was um, not visited as much as I, um, or either I wasn't aware of being visited or I was not being visited. And, and I, I equate it to the chemicals I was putting into my body. Like they like, we can't do anything with you right now. You're tainted. Um, but I was working on my mediumship skills because these spirits kept coming to talk to me and I didn't really understand what I was doing. And, and I came to understand from this man who came to speak to me. He was an African-American. He was, um, it was after slavery. I I don't know exactly if he was a sharecropper or what, but um, his story is that he was in charge of watching these children for the night. And um, he just went outside to get probably some moonshine or something. He went to go get a drink. And when he did that, there was a spark from the fire that caught the house on, uh, you know, a flame and the children died and, and, um, and he was lynched because of that experience, you know, that, that, because he was the one in charge. And so he was the one to blame why he chose to come to me, um, to help me understand those abilities. I'm not sure, but he would introduce a spirit to me. I would speak to the spirit. I would write their stories down and then help them cross. That's who Cleophis is. Wow. I was very touched by that story. Um, and you have his name, which is another incredible thing. It was a very bizarre name. I never heard of it before, but now I I've know. I've never heard of that name. name. <laughs> it, is, it is a name. It's just, uh, you know, um, and speaking about names, it's something that I wanted to ask you, but it's only because you do have shamanic uh, abilities and you've gone through quite a lot of uh, self-revealing and, you know, a lot of this kind of spiritual work. Um, Something happened to me one time and it was beautiful. These people came to me in my dream and they said, you have a name, original name. And I was like, why, what's my name? And they told me my name. And I heard it, and I remember hanging my head and sobbing because I I said, that's my name. Mm. And Mm -hmm. it's so beautiful. Right now I get the chills thinking about, I can hear the name, but the way they said it was absolutely beautiful. I can just say what it sounded like to me, Soraya Uh Zasua, a really long name, Soraya Zasua. Yeah. But the way they said it was so beautiful that I just hung my head in recognition, you know, that that's me, yeah. So I was wondering if you ever ever told that you had other names in all your regressions or your other experiences. Yes. Um, I have have been given many different names, you know, either it's with, you know, with a past life or you know, another, another place, another time, as far as a galactic life, I was given the name Laliel at one point in time. This, this is who you are. And it was, 
in an incredible experience, the dream, I was with some sort of, I was underwater. I was with this creature that looked like an angel, but she was also underwater. So I don't know exactly what this is, but she, at that point in time, told me my name was Lalio. Wow. Well, is that in your book? No. <laughs> oh, my God. That is not in the book. I guess I need to. But, you know, I've got other books going on. You might have a book tour now, dear. I know. (laughs) So I had no idea, but something was telling me to ask you. How weird. That's very strange. That's very strange. strange. I have been given another name recently, but I do not believe it is mine. I believe it is one of the children that are mine that are on ship. Um, Okay, let's talk about that. Um, yeah, that's totally now topic. You have, I don't know if you want to jump into that. Or not. Well, we can jump into that because I call them babies in space. Um, oh, I like that. I have a, yeah, because I even saw a picture once. I think I posted it somewhere. These are my babies, and they're flying out in space, and there's a bunch of babies in spaceships. I don't know what they are. But anyway, I call mm-hmm. them babies in space because uh, I have a lot of them. And then you brought this up to your children and uh, things that have happened to you. So why don't you tell us about your experiences? I have had multiple experiences having having uh, given birth um, on ship or one time was in an underground bunker type of experience that is in the book, and it was absolutely terrifying. Um, real quick, I just want to say there are some experiences I have that are very, very scary and terrifying, but then, but most of my experiences are loving and gentle and kind. Um, and most of the births that I have witnessed or gone through, not witnessed, you know, anyway, <laughs> those have been the loving kind. However, there was one that was very terrifying, very painful. Um, I don't, I don't understand yet why there's the two different types of experiences. However, I have been, I I can't even tell you how many children I have, so many that I can't even count. I know Mm -hmm. the names of several of them. Usually when I give birth to a child on the ship, which is very strange to say out loud on a radio show, but here I am doing it. (laughs) I, I am told the name of the child at the time. The last one I had, her name was Chandra. Hmm. And um, before that, I've, I've met Nathan, um, Nicolette, John, Wesley. Um, and then there's Yuli. But, um, yeah, I have, you know, I have memories. And, and oftentimes, and, and this is something that I want to write about it because is going to take me a while to wrap my head around it. Oftentimes these feel like dreams, um, but I know that they're not dreams. I have often gotten into this big tub type of thing, like, oh, mm-hmm. here I am in this room. That means I'm going to give a baby or have a baby. So I get in the tub, and I almost feel like I'm just giving birth on my own, and there's no assistance. I don't know if that's correct or not, but that's, you know, the the, Im- the information that comes to me. I'm I'm alone. I'm, I'm doing this, and it's not a big deal. The The – they are almost, I wouldn't even call them babies. At the time they're born, they're still fetuses. They're very underdeveloped. They're very small, oftentimes smaller than my hand. Um, and I, and um, 
I don't think they let us cook the babies for very long, if that makes any sense. Um, I don't know. It's just, it is so strange knowing that I have children beyond the two children that I have and was, I don't know, in a way I say I was allowed to have these children and raise them and, and have them here on earth with me. But to know that there are so many of my children that are out there. Yeah, I uh, I have been uh, grief struck over this because I had so many of my babies uh, that it caused me a lot of trauma and grief. And uh, I did have to talk to Yvonne about it and, you know, process with other experiencers. And uh, I went to the groups talking about it, of course. And it was awful, but I actually found uh, another person, two people, including now you, that have very similar experience of missing their babies, grief struck over them, wanting them, you know, and... Uh, there was only one, well, there two cases where I was horrified, really, because the baby was a baby, a little baby, but seemed too strong and was very aware of me. And they told me to hold it, but it was scared, and it kind of squirmed in my hands, and it totally mm-hmm. freaked me out. They had, like, musculature. Yeah. It totally, I, I just went, oh, God, it made me sick. And the other one is one of my grown children, and my best friend, who is a... Well, she's a rocket scientist, and she works over here for aerospace. Uh, she go, I have another house, and we go to it frequently. I know it's a strange thing to say, but we do. I have a house, and she's, she knows where it is, and I know what it looks like. Who the heck knows what we're really doing? But my kids are there, some of them, and one is a grown uh-huh. adult. And when I saw him, I went, oh, no, I can't take that. I didn't know I'd still have to see them. Like, I couldn't, like, I, can't, I compartmentalize this trauma. So now I've got to see a grown-up person. So he grew up. Mm-hmm. He was a tall, dark-headed kid, you know, young man. And I, and I uh-huh. rejected him, and I regretted it. I had, you know, very guilty because of that. Like, oh, no, I don't want to deal with this. You know what I mean? Now I have to deal with the adults, now yeah. the babies. Oh, so that was shocked in the head, I mean. Yeah. That hurt my heart. I could feel that in my chest when you said that. Yes. Yes. And I felt guilty. I can still see him in my mind. Just a tall, thin, uh, you know, shaggy-head kid. Could be like a, you know, a little techie guy. You know, a young guy. <laughs> uh-huh. I love you yeah. where you are, you know, but I don't, I don't know. It's it's a confusing um, a thing, especially such an in- intimate thing. that You know that they're... Uh, Parts you and you, you feel them. I don't know how care how many they have. So me, yeah. me and uh, another girl, uh, Marin, uh, you'd know her. Anyway, we counted up how many babies I possibly have, and there could be like two hundred fifty. <laughs> yeah, I've tried to do calculations like that. And, and the numbers are pretty. It's it's, 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 it's pretty shocking. It is. It's, Astronomical, like how can I have that many children? But um, I feel like a factory half the time. Yeah. Like, really, that I'm, I'm carrying again. Now, do I have any physical proof? No, I don't have any physical proof. But I'm pretty sure that it's happened. And then I have these memories, and I've seen these children, and I have gone back and visited them at different stages. Yeah, um, me too. Um, you know, when they're first born, and then oftentimes when they're toddler, and then a little bit older. Uh, when Chandra was born just a week ago, two weeks ago, 
there were five kids and I was introducing them to their new baby sister. And I don't know who those other kids were. I just assumed they were mine. <laughs> I don't have the names. There's just a bunch of little kids, all blonde. <laughs> and, and, yeah, oh, blonde. I was going to say that. Are those little yeah. co-heads? Yep. Wow. Yeah, co-headed ones. Yeah. Now, I have... And and I hadn't heard of this until recently. I'm not the only person that is having these experiences, but I have been taken at least two times to help comfort babies who have been born in space when their mothers mm-hmm. completely reject them and they have to have that bond. And so I have gone and played with and loved on and, and just been a mom, you know, even if it's just briefly, just for a little while with these infants whose mothers refuse to um, acknowledge their presence. And, and I have watched, you know, I, the, the one time that I'm remembering, there were three beings that came in and it was an urgency, like, come on, we got to go right now. Like, okay. What's going on? And, and I went on ship. I was in that doctor like room where there's a table, you know, or like a countertop and there was a tiny little basket with, they were twins in the basket and a, a dark headed woman, very short cropped hair. And she was saying that it is impossible. I have, I have never had sex with a man. I cannot have children. I don't understand what you're trying to tell me. These cannot be mine. And as she was fighting, they're like, just take the babies and go. And, and I took them mm-hmm. into another room and I, and I was loving on them. And I understood at that point that these, these infants have to have the love of a mother. Whether or a caretaker, they have to have it. There's something about their. Well, I mean, all all babies. Well, it's every baby, yeah. But even these that are alien or half, you know, they're hybrids. They have to have that human connection. They have to. They well, they're have not going to Because exactly. they have. Okay, so I've had this dream that I went to uh, my friend's work. This has happened many, many times, and she saw me there, and she was behind the glass, but I was in the lab. She was outside the lab looking through the glass. And they were showing okay. me these babies, what I appeared to see, alien-looking, but they look like little kit, like uh, sort of like deformed naked kittens. And there was uh, three or four of them. And they were trying to feed them. They couldn't feed them. They weren't thriving. They weren't, you know, it was freaky. And so I said, you're doing it wrong. I was talking to the engineers. And so I oh got insulation. Goodness. I know. I got insulation. I wrapped each one up in a little nest. And it's a kind where it's fluffy on the inside and then the aluminum on the outside. And then I wrapped uh-huh. each one. And then with an eyedropper, I fed them each warm milk. And I said, you have to do it drop by drop, really slow. So then my friend is standing outside. I sort of go, we had the same dream. So I'm telling you from the inside. She's doing this from the outside. She's standing outside in the glass singing that song, Baby Kitty, Fluffy Kitty. You know that, that stupid song? Yes. <laughs> so she's on the outside doing the kitty song, and I'm on the inside. It's her lab. It's her work. But then I realize, so I'm actually helping the engineers or whoever they are feed the aliens. And I realize there is an uh, alien and genetic program really going on in this aerospace thing. She can't talk about it because I guess she'll be fired. So she's mm-hmm. my fellow experiencer, so she can't come forward. I, she, she knows you are. You know, she will not come forward. So she's my, my witness to a lot of stuff. 
But this stuff is going on, and these these little babies, they don't have if they don't have nurturing, they're going to die, whatever they are, you know. Yes. Yeah, and they need human contact, or they will fail to thrive. And I guess part of us is is just mothering, we'll mother whatever it is. Right. If you can see me, my jaw is basically on the floor because. <laughs> Sorry. For for two for two reasons. One, because I have so many experiences or dream like images with kittens <laughs> that is oh, not wow. even funny. And there was one where there were kittens on me, and they looked so bar- bizarre. I got scared and pushed them away, and then I realized, oh wait, no, they need love, and I pulled them back in. So there's that. So when you said kittens, I was like, oh my god. Oh my and second, god. I, I've had I've had an experience where I was taken and there there was a baby very very floppy, like she wasn't mm-hmm. formed right or she just she wasn't thriving as you said, and they're like help us we don't know what to do and I, and I remember she was hooked up to all these tubes and I was expecting the tubes and I'm like no there's a kink here she's not getting the nutrients she needs, and mm-hmm. and they were we were trying to fix it so that she could get what she needed to thrive and I and I held her and loved her and, and all that stuff. So wow. I'm just wow. wow. <laughs> I'm kinda of floored right now. Yeah. Because I, I'm just only uh, I don't know what's going on here. I don't either, but this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to the listeners, this is how awesome yeah, our lives are. Oh my god, this yeah, is crazy. This is, and uh, they say that all the this time. Is a, this is in real time, people. Uh, you know I'm not making this up. <laughs> anyway, so uh, this is profound because, you know, it's, it just happened to me last night. I was actually helping some baby somewhere, and it was the same okay. thing, some kind of nurturing and feeding and uh, the poor little things, you know, that uh, mm-hmm. I gladly do it. If that's, if that's part of my role, I'll, I'll gladly because I am like a mothering type, and all my kids are old. The grandkids grew up. I have a great grandson now. They're all up and out. They don't need it anymore. But uh, I'm, I want to do. It. I still have it in me. Mhm. Wow. Anyway. Wow. Well, Let's they're see. just they're just gonna keep. I and maybe this is part of what we signed on for when we got here. I don't know. I don't know, but I I feel the same way with you. I will nurture whoever I can. Yeah, because we all deserve it's, it. Because when she's looking at them, she said no, but they look yellow and everything else. And she said, guess what? And I went, what? She said the next day I found that uh, the aluminum with uh, the foil. They had it in the trash can with uh, the nest in the middle. So they had oh, the engineers. I know. So this is real stuff going on and. Um, it's not pretend, it's not made up. And about kittens, now I only had one good, because even my good experiences have turned to bad experiences during the experience, you know. I only had yeah. one good experience, and it was about two blue cats, kittens, with big, huge blue eyes, and they were blue with fuzzy, with blue, darker blue stripes. Uh, the two came in the door. And my best friend was here. We were talking about the kitties. We were playing kitties. You know, oh, you can have this one and this. We even did the Beanie Baby things. We're full of grown adults, but we were trading Beanie Babies. You know what I'm saying? We're those kind of people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
if she's an engineer, I'm a forensic counselor. Yet we will play Dooney Babies. That's the way we are. <laughs> and my husband's on the phone on the backyard in the dark trying to ignore it all. And these these beings are loving. They're kitties, and we're loving them and everything. And I woke I woke up. So this is a dream, right? The next day, I said. Do you remember the? Did you come over here? She said, "Kittens, you're trying to get me." I went, "Yes," and that was the only loving one. And then I was trying to talk to it in the serial group. I was trying to talk about it, but people were like, "Yeah, we've heard about the blue cats before." But this is what I matched it up to. Do you remember they used to worship cats in Egypt? Yes. Then a friend, after I started looking this up, and another friend and I were talking about it, they actually painted those caskets blue. What? Oh, my goodness. Yes. So I think there's something to what we're seeing. There's some kind of real uh, experience that's gone through the ages. You know, if me and her are both saying the same thing, and dang her until she quits her job, She'll probably never retire from that job. They paid her good over there, really, a lot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so she probably won't quit anytime soon. Because we could actually tell our story, you know, and, uh, well, I'm just telling you that part of it. And mm-hmm. that that's the only loving part that I've ever had. All the other ones I'm extremely wow. resistant, except when I'm helping. I fight every time. Yeah, because they sneak up on me. Like, one time they were knocking at my door. Now, this is in my dream. And there was two ants standing at the front door. And they were about, (laughs) you know, (laughs) one was orange, one was yellow. And they had, like, you know how uh, soldier ants look? But they're ceramic yellow and orange. So they were standing there, and it was quite obvious they were being polite, and they knocked at the door. So I let them in for some reason. No stuff does not match up. It doesn't make sense. However, (laughs) while I was talking to them, there was this little guy sneaking around on on my peripheral vision. And I turned around and and, and enraged, and I, I killed whatever it was. You know what I mean? Oh, my goodness. I attacked yeah. it with a broom because it startled me because it was creeping around on my peripheral vision. And it freaked me out. Worse than the, the two ants standing there. So this stuff really... They were distracting you. Mm-hmm. They were distracting me from the real guy. Weird. Weird crap. I, 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 I think it's so fascinating how they do that. Um Inside dreams, outside dreams, those screen images, as they talk about. Um, I think I put it in the book, and there, I do a yeah, chapter, um, the good, the bad, and the downright ridiculous. There are some of the things that I have witnessed that are just so ridiculously funny. I mean, I have been woken up by the covers being ripped off of me. My eyes pop open, and there's a golden girl at the foot of my bed. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? It's funny, but I know who you are. You know, yeah. and 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 things like that happen all the time. Like that, that's cute. Okay, I'm I'm okay. You you know that you you served your purpose. I'm not so afraid of you right now. Um, and I think that may be an important part of what's going on. We're just trying to keep you calm. Yeah, Either but the because they don't want to deal with us or. 
<laughs> so cool. <laughs> but as soon as I recognized, you know, the the little sham disappeared. But um, oh yeah, you know, what is the purpose? Are they trying to keep us calm so we won't hurt ourselves, be traumatized? Are they keeping us calm because? It's just better if we're docile. I mean, what what is the point? I don't know. I don't think they understand us completely. I think no, they, they understand they part of us. They know we watch the Golden Girls. They know that we love this and love that. But they don't understand that we're, we can watch you, but we're also watching on the side. You know, peripheral vision is real important. So any little bit of movement... We're going to catch on, and, you, and they've done several things to me like that. That's why I don't like what I appear to feel like they're dishonesty. It's like they're sneaking in at night. I, I just don't like the whole thing. I know it's happening, mm-hmm. but I really don't like it. Right. And I've, and I've, I've kind of gotten past that. Um, I don't know why. But I, I invite it, and I'm I'm happy when it happens. Um, but, and maybe it's just because I I have met people that I know that I'm always taken with. You know, like, okay, I get to see my friends. You know, um, there's all sorts of different things that have happened that have shifted my my thoughts from I hate this, I don't want to deal with this, to oh, okay, I'm okay with this. And and that basically is what my book is about, is that process. How have I gone from being super traumatized to dealing with the trauma to being complacent with the with the um, abductions to actually inviting yeah. it in? I actually didn't quite go that far in the book. I stopped before that. But, um, yeah, so there's there's been a huge shift in my um, – yeah, because I know. Okay, miss with it. Yeah, I've seen memes where they're sort of like, "I'll pay you to come and get me" and stuff like that. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think you guys know what you're asking for. You know what I mean? You think you'd be better <laughs> off? I'm yeah. not. Quite, Earth might be the best thing going on, you know, and uh, they may or may not be helping us try to fix it. I don't know. I, I really don't know for sure, but. Um. This okay. So can can we talk a little bit about interdimensional living? Because somebody asked me this question last week, and I really couldn't give an answer, even though I have seen. I've I've even seen my doppelganger. I've seen a person looks exactly like me. But mm-hmm. are we existing in different dimensions? And I can't answer that question. So what do what do you see? I have an interesting perspective on that. I um and it's because of what they, you know, quote unquote, they have taught me about how to use that bridge. Um I do not believe time is real. Um of course here on earth in 3D living we perceive a progression. Um otherwise we don't know what to do with ourselves. However, because I do not believe that time as we know it exists with the past life ideas they are not past lives they are concurrent lives that are happening now and I can talk to these other bits of me in different times and places and I know several of them and I can communicate with them and this is this is a concept that has come to me over the years and I've learned more and more how to work within this realm i don't know it's hard to it's hard to explain 
Um, some of them are here on earth. Some of them are not. Some of them are in a different dimension. Some of them are different galaxy, you know, and I just, I have through their teachings, I have the ability to communicate with all of these different me's. I call this the multi-Aaron <laughs> M-E. Wow. You know, these are me. Um, and, um, one of them is Egyptian. One of them was a slave. One of them was a Uyghur, um, you know, a Muslim Mongol, I guess she was in China way, way, way back, way back. Um, one of them is, is Syrian. One of them is Lyran. You know, I have all of these bits of self. I think of it, okay, so if you think of your arm as your soul, so you've got the single soul, but at the end of the arm, of course, is the fingers. But each one of the fingers is a different branch of the self. However, it's all the same being. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. And we all go and do our own little things in our own little worlds in our own little times. However, we still have that ability to communicate. And that's kind of where that's where my um, focus has been lately, as at least as far as my shamanic understandings has been, is helping people learn how to navigate this as well. Now, um, you speak of the shamanic uh, uh, healing. You know, that to me, that's a very powerful thing. Um, how do you get training and how are you initiated to this life? Uh-huh. I have no idea. I just use the term shamanic because I cannot figure out what the heck it is that I'm doing. I know that it is the best thing to explain what I experience. So do I have training? No, but what I understand is how to walk between these worlds. And yes. that I think is like the, the basic definition well, of what you, a shaman can do. So that's, that's why like, I use the word shaman. Exactly. And don't you feel like the things you were talking about, uh, George, in your eye when you were a little kid, I think this was your early early training in this kind of depth and understanding of the interdimensional uh, things that you shouldn't have and had no awareness of. Say that last bit again. I missed it. But you, you know, you're talking about the, the, you call him George, the interdimensional mm-hmm. wormhole, but you should not have understand or had any conception of, a, of as a five-year-old. Absolutely not. This is no part clue. of your initiation. Yeah, this is part of your initiation. This is what happens. And every shaman that I have ever known has always had an injury or some kind of a hurt. And that's always two sides to the coin. And, uh, and sometimes they're sick, sometimes it is addiction. You know, so this fits right into what you're calling yourself, really, to me. Yeah. Yeah, um, there was a I, I I did have a ruptured appendix when I was eight, I believe seven to eight, something like that. I don't know. That could have been mm-hmm. part of it. Um, part you know, of it. addiction, the violent marriage, um, many mm-hmm. many things have kind of forged me into the person that I am today. Plus yes, the it's part of 
Yeah, it's part of your initiation because uh, we don't have any real leaders anymore in the in the spiritual. We have our pastors and priests and everything else, but we don't have anybody to really lead us into these different uh, depths of experiences. You know, like the back well, the Native American tribes they have it they have it going because they start from their little oh, yeah. and they start to to do your vision quest and do your uh, you know, all these uh, quests to seek a vision and our higher uh, contact. And they, they do know about UFOs and people from other places. And, you know, they're really in tune to all the life around us, you know. And uh, they're right. Every, every little thing has a life and a communication and a, and a heart and so spirit. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I have struggled most of my adult life, like, can you teach me? Where can I learn? And I've never been able to find somebody that could really mm-hmm. sit down and teach me, like, everything I need to know. It's all just like, all right, fine. Well, I'll just, you know, I'll get little bits here and there. And that's it. And then I just sort that's of it. figure it out on my own. <laughs> well, of course, you, you learned it the hard way. So that's the way you're going to go. That's the way you learn. My mother I, says that I, I always have that. to learn things the hard way. That's right. <laughs> You being the hardhead that you are, you had to learn it your own way, and I think that you've done really well. There's people, there's hugs from, uh, let's see, here we go. We got comments. Uh, Cordae Hill okay. says uh, she loves us, and she's she's a listener hugging us. She loves her story. And a woman called Blue Sutters wants to know, when is your next book? When? Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. She wants another um, I book. actually, she wants another book. Okay, so mm-hmm. I am hoping that by the end of the year, I will have another book published. And this is um, not necessarily about ET contact. This is more of a spiritual practice on how to protect yourself, um, um, protect your energy. It's especially for empaths and mediums and people that are super sensitive, as many of us co- uh, contactees are, and just. Um, different lessons on how to hone those abilities, keep our energies to ourselves, um, and keep others out. So that's, that's the next book. Hopefully by the end of the year it will be out, but there's more coming. I'm, I'm already working on a couple of other projects, so <laughs> there's yeah. more coming. <laughs> We're greedy, okay? We want more. Okay, so that's I think uh, Cleta here says, uh, can uh, we talk about the thing, how things have changed and how uh, things have increased in strangeness and how things have gotten bizarre? It is time to talk about the current events here. Oh, okay. Current events, things are very bizarre, very bizarre. Mm-hmm. And I, um, my personal thoughts are this is exactly what I needed. Um, I don't know about the rest of the world, you know, but the, I, I've been able to seclude myself. I've been able to finish the book. I have been able to study for my exam, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. I've been able to do so much inner searching and work and um, communicating with those people that I love that I have used this time. And I think that I've seen some people that have used this time purposely and then people that have just been, Oh my God, I don't know what to do. So we have a choice here and, 
And one of the things that I have really heard a lot, not only in my mind, but I've seen it online, I've seen it, you know, through Facebook posts, is the need to spread love and love energy and just embrace and and just pump out that feeling of love because there's a... not to sound too conspiratorial or anything, but there's a, there's a war going on, and we really need to amp up the side of light and and just love and love and love, just to, to bring that into existence here on Earth. Yeah, That's me like and uh, my friends knew it was coming down. And I remember I was talking to uh, my friend Curtis Don Vito. I don't know if you've seen this handsome front man. For, he's a heavy metal guy, but he's a shaman. He really is himself. And uh, we're on the phone, and somehow, I don't know why I did this, uh, but you know how we are. I got up, <laughs> and I'm still on the phone. I got in the car, and I had to top off a tank of gas in the middle of a conversation. He said, what are you doing? I said, I have to go to the gas station. He said, what for? I said, I have to top off my tank. He said, you got gas on it? Yeah, but I need more. So I went down and drove down the street, and I was standing there looking at the guy. I went inside to, you know, say number put 20 on number three. I, I, I had, it wouldn't take 20. It only took like $8. I mean, I had enough <laughs> gas. So I'm looking at the guy who's trying to in, to do the, and, and with me and Curtis are talking, and he was saying, it's, it's going to, he said, Curtis is saying, when is it going to happen? And I looked at the factory, because you can see the refinery in Crenshaw in, in Toronto. This is a crazy place, really. Altered realities all the time. So I was looking at the, the thing, and then I looked at the guy in the register. The whole, his whole electronics shut down. Everything shut off. And he started sweating. Even his arms were dripping sweat. And I looked at him. I said, oh Curtis, it's, happen- it's happening now. He said, what do you mean? I said, it's happening right now. He said, not right now. And yes, it's over. It's gone. I said, go get your gas filled up. Go get whatever you have to. Guess when this was? March. Yeah. It was March. Yeah. I think it was March 3rd. And I said, go oh, wow. home and get some food in the house. Do whatever you have. Go over to be shut down. He said, it's just going to happen like a shutdown. We know it's going to be a wild, wild world shut down. Oh, my God, the world's going to shut down? But it happened. So we could tell each yeah. other. So I was talking off my tank because who knows when I was going to get more gas. You know, it was like in the back of my mind. And then I went to my friend's house to do her hair because I thought, I'm not going to be able to do her hair for a while. If I don't do it now, they're going to shut me down. So two days later, I did her hair. And that was the last time for the next, what, two, three weeks, nobody could go anywhere. Oh, my Pretty goodness. Weird. I know. Yeah. So something really important is happening because we had two hits. So we had the shutdown, we had the coronas, we had whatever else held, but, but everybody's waiting for the next shoe to drop. So what is your right. feeling about that? I am not exactly sure. I All Me I know either. is that I am fine. I, I'm going to be fine. Oh, good. And the people that I love are going to be fine, and that and that's just what I have had carried with me through this whole time. Um, it's it's funny that you said you felt like you had to top off gas. I had somebody tell me you better go get gas. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm almost on empty, but I'll be fine. <laughs> and I didn't drive my car for almost two months, so I'm no, totally so fine. Weird. You could be fine. Completely <laughs> fine. And I but never did fill that car up. In fact, I bought a new car and I. <laughs> I'm, I'm That's completely cool. fine. There's almost no gas. So 
I, I get it, but I, I, I have seen rumblings about another shoe dropping. I have heard about loss of communication, satellites mm-hmm. going down, things like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, however, we I have talk- also hmm, – sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say that I have, uh, I guess, probably from 2012, I have been preparing for, like – We've got to go back to an agrarian society. I I have yeah. land. I have a well. I've like I don't know how wow. to plant for the crap, but I have. In 2012, I got a house. I had uh, there's a little over an acre. I've got a well on the property. I've got um, these weird desires to weave fabric, which I don't even know where that comes from. Like I said, I need to get chickens. I need to get those. All these thoughts in my head, and I don't have time for any of it. But it's there, and so. I think well, I have seeds, but I have seeds, but I have. It is. I have seeds, but I have no dirt. <laughs> I, just got, I do. I have seeds, but I forgot about dirt. So I don't know why I have the seeds, but I, I have. I don't know people. Preparing it's not time yet. I'm preparing it's not. You know, it's not time yet. Okay, so. Blue um, Shadows wants to say uh, she really admires your honesty. And uh, she was freaked out about Fantasia with a horror cartoon. See, she's never watching it again. Me too. <laughs> so, and then, um, then uh, Cleta is saying there, uh, uh, there are those that have blossomed and those who are in pain, mental anguish. And she said that she's waiting for the big reveal. So maybe that's the... Um, the thing that we're actually waiting for. Is there going to be a big reveal? Do you think? I don't, you know, we're, we all seem to be waiting for a big reveal from the government and it's not going to happen that way. It's going to be us. It's going to be the experiencers. It's going to be those people who have been contacted that open up and share and it's going to spread like waves. At least that's my opinion. Um, unless there's somebody in the government that is an experiencer that is ready to, to tell their story. Um, and that's what I see the reveal being is just, people's eyes opening all across the world to what's going on, and it's not going to necessarily come from the government. Well, since when has anything great come from the government, except for that check? I really like that. I would like another one. <laughs> I would like another one from the powers that be. Uh, we'll send a check soon. Yes. But uh, other than that, I, I just find it useless anymore. But I find my friends, my loved ones, uh, reading, art, music, all of that, that's that's really making me tick, and it always has. So I, I believe the same thing, that we're going to return to. I try to talk to people. I said, you know, this, the enemies you're making today are the ones that aren't going to barter with you later, so you better knock it off because people are so snotty. You know what I mean? Right. You've got to learn how to oh, barter yeah. and get along with people, especially your neighbors. You know, because if you have a skill or you have an item and they don't have it and vice versa, it's going to go back to that. And I think that always was an issue. Absolutely. I I definitely see that kind of society, but at the same time, heightened technology where we... Oh, yeah. I I see it happening at the same time. Heightened technology, so we are in communication across the globe. It may be, you know, across the galaxy. Who knows? But we're able to plant our own food. We're able to grow our own things and be more home-based. 
and return mm. health to the earth. That that's what I'm seeing in my head. Whether it's real or not, maybe it's just a pipe dream. I'm not sure. But I totally agree with you because I had a dream about a new earth that was so pristine and so beautiful. It was like the pictures you see of Alaska, how beautiful, blue, and gorgeous, and clean. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It's, the earth was like that, you know, and then you turn to that. And I never thought that was possible until within two months how, when everything was shut down, how the earth had healed just that fast, you know. The uh, I mean, wow. I know. The whole entire so, gone. I know. It's just all you got to do is shut up. Just go back in the house, mind your own business, and shut the hell up for a minute. It's weird. It's just uh, humans are really affecting. Sorry about. I have a little Tasmanian devil. She's like six pounds, but she's a lot of mouth. Anyway, can we talk about the. What you feel, as you wrap this up, is how do you, what do you feel our purpose is here? What's our purpose? Our purpose? What is their purpose? Their purpose. What's going on? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I am asked that question often. What is their agenda? I don't know. What I do know is the messages that they give us. Um, whether it's showing us disasters, because many times we have dreams of disasters, whether it's tsunamis or earthquakes, things like that. Um, That's one of the things that we're shown, uh, nuclear bombs, warnings, like this could happen, you have to be prepared. Another common message is um, taking care of the earth. We have to clean up the earth. That's another huge message that we receive. And then the last one being you have to love one another. And in my opinion, no matter what their agenda is, those are pretty darn good messages to be given. That's so true. For disaster. Do not hurt other people. Love one another and take care of your planet. Those are huge, very important messages. That that means everything. So, wow. You know, it's been a really a pleasure to have you on. It's a small world, little do we know. And I, Absolutely. Uh, I, uh, I am, it's an honor to have you read your book. It's great. So uh, Erin Montgomery's book, uh, Dirty Little Secrets, is about her contact with aliens and other things. And uh, it's available on uh, Amazon and where Just Amazon right now. There's um, both the print and um, e-book versions available. Audio book will come out. Um, I'm going to be recording that at the end of July, so it, it will be available awesome. soon. Yeah. Do you have a website or anything where people can contact you if they want to talk to you or anything? Um, I'm working on a website right now. It's not live and ready to go yet. However, um, Dirty Little Secret itself is a Facebook page. You can always message me through that. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm going to thank you, Aaron. Well, thank You're you. One of my I kind. enjoyed my time. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I, I I loved it, and uh, yeah, uh, people are saying that uh, they really loved what you had to say and the openness, and uh, they admire your honesty. So I do too. Oh, You've been honest. Wonderful. I I feel enlightened by your book, and I, I encourage everybody to go get it and. Uh, you're a wonderful first author, Aaron, and uh, oh, God well, bless you, you and your God bless you and yours, and happy trails, whatever happens. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. Okay. Anytime. Take care. 
All right. Bye-bye. 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 Well, that was a wonderful, wonderful interview with one of my kind, one of my people. And little do we know, I didn't know that because I've never met her before, but I guess I had met her. And uh, in 2012, it's so strange, small world. Okay, so I uh, want to wish some people some birthdays. So the birthday baby people are Pam Rawlings, Monique Lopez, who's also called Bouncer. And then I want to say Jonathan Reed, happy birthday, and my friend Larry Pierce. And I want to thank my listeners, Claudette Hewitt, uh, Blue Green Feathers, and I, I love you guys and all the other listeners that were uh, listening in, and I appreciate your questions, and uh, God bless you all very much. And the paranormal and the sacred, the place where the unheard may be heard, and that we uh, love you all, and I want to God bless you for a happy, healthy, and wonderful rest of the year, but hold on to your bootstraps, okay? Anyway, God bless you all. Take care. Bye-bye.